Well, welcome. Good to see everybody. Welcome to our friends joining us online. It's good to see everybody. I'm excited to continue the series that we've been in called We Are Vineyard. And we've just been exploring over these weeks uh, some of the things about us as vineyard people that are unique. And we uh, talked in the beginning of the series about we are kingdom people first. So this is not about allegiance to a denomination or uh, being better than uh, a different flavor of church. We actually recognize we need all the different parts and flavors and types of churches to reach all different types and flavors of people. But we also recognize that we as the Vineyard have a unique flavor and we have a unique call and a unique ability because of our uh, wiring, our DNA, or the things about us that are distinct, uh, to use an analogy that actually goes back to the birth of, of this particular uh, local body. There is a particular portion of the field, and I'm using that you know, as an analogy, but if you were to think of this community and how it relates to the kingdom as being a field, there's a unique portion of that field that we are positioned to cultivate and to harvest from. That if we don't step up and do our part, then not all of the community will be reached. And so we want to explore how to step into that, how to step into what God uh, not only is inviting us into, but who has he made us to be. And so that's simply what we're doing over these weeks is trying to just kind of, if I can use this language, label some things to help us realize uh, who he's called us to be. Why don't we pray and just invite him uh, before we go into the message? So, Jesus, we just love you. As we just sang, just collectively all together, we, we lo- love you, Lord. We love everything that you are. And, Jesus, even if you didn't come and intersect our lives as you so often do and and give us daily and tangible blessings, which you also do. Lord, we simply love you for who you are. Who you are is enough. Just to know you is enough. And yet we recognize in your kindness and in your mercy that you desire to become acquainted with the sometimes mundane and intimate details of our life. You desire to intersect us in those places. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, come. We recognize that you are here, you are moving. Would you come and breathe on your word now as we try to listen to what it is that you have to say? Would you use me however you see fit, but may I be a a conduit. Would you speak through me? Would you, again, breathe on your word today in Jesus' name? Amen. Well, I'm going to start out here in just a minute, but I want to set this up a little bit. We're going to watch a one-minute video clip, because as we've been going through these different vineyard sort of distinctives, and if you've been around a while, you may have noticed we, we like little sort of catchphrases and sayings, just because they're, they're easy to remember, but they help us latch on to a truth. So today's topic is doing the stuff. Now, if you don't have a historical context, what in the world does that mean? 
Well, we're going to dive into it, but I wanted to sort of give you as succinct, uh, I, I, I found all kinds of places where I could give you the four-minute or the 12-minute version of this, but I found one video, and I'm setting this up because the quality is not great. This is was recorded on a VHS. For some of you, you may not know what that is, but on a, on a VCR off of ABC television in 1995. But I love, and this is... Uh, uh, John Wimber being interviewed for ABC television, um, and it's one minute and nine seconds, but in that one minute, John basically sums up sort of the beginning impetus of what doing the stuff is all about and why that came to be. So let's watch this short I clip. love Jesus. I love the stuff he did. I love the multiplying of the food and, and the healing of the sick and giving sight to the blind, spitting in people's eyes. I, mean, I love that stuff. Yeah. I love Jesus. I love the stuff. I love Jesus. I love the stuff he did. I love the multiplying of the food and and the healing of the sick and giving sight to the blind, spitting in people's eyes. I mean, I love that stuff. You know. The first time he went to church, Wimber says he expected miracles. Nobody did it. After just three Sundays, he was frustrated. So I went up to this guy and I pulled on his sleeve and he had a something on his chest with his name on it. So I figured he must know something. I said, When do they do it? He said, do what? I said, the stuff. He said, what stuff? I said, the stuff in the Bible. He said, well, uh, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, multiply the fishes and the loaves and, 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 and feed the hungry and all that stuff. When do they do that? He said, oh, we don't do that. We believe in it. We pray about it, but we don't do it. And I was terribly disappointed. I said, wait a minute. You don't understand. I gave up drugs for this. I gave up my career for this. You mean I don't get to do it? When I work for the devil, I got to do the devil stuff. If I'm working for Jesus, I want to do what Jesus did. Hopefully you say amen to that. Or as my pastor, you just say, growing up, you either say amen or oh me. <laughs> Doing the stuff. So we're going to explore a little bit and we're going to we're going to connect this to uh, to the scripture because, you know, this nice little catchy phrase doing the stuff it's, it's not it's just a it's just language that we use to try to get a hold of a larger truth. Right. The stuff that we're talking about is the stuff that Jesus did. As John said, I, I want to do the stuff that Jesus did. If you would turn with me to Matthew 28. We're going to read uh, what's commonly referred to as the Great Commission. And this is sort of be our jumping off point. And then we'll look at some other uh, things to begin to put together a context. But in Matthew 28, uh, 18 and 19, I'm going to read from New Living. It said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now you're thinking, well, maybe I can connect that. What does that have to do with doing the stuff? Well, this was Jesus' commission to us. This was the this was the launching point. And if I could sort of paraphrase for you, uh, Jesus was was at this point delegating to all of us. Obviously, none of us in this room were alive and present, but we are descended from those that 
were at that time, and as believers, we are grafted into the community, into the kingdom of God. And Jesus was saying, I have ministered, I have announced the kingdom of God, all the stuff that he did, if we put it under that manner of doing the stuff, I now have to go be with the Father. And so now, in my stead, you go. And one of the ways that we've liked to say this, uh, going back even to our days uh, at the Urbana Vineyard, is we're called to continue the ministry of Jesus. So the things that he did, and we don't have time today to go back and, and pick up all the stories of his, of his years of ministry when he was here on the earth, but simply to summarize to say, the things that he went about doing, destroying the works of the devil, healing people, uh, casting out sickness, demon, like all the stuff that Jesus bumped into in his ministry, when he, when he started announcing the kingdom of God has come near to you, he started bumping into things because as we know from previous teaching and things that there are two kingdoms at work here, right? There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And when the kingdom of light starts going forward, starts being announced, proclaimed, demonstrated, you're going to bump into the kingdom of darkness. There's going to be a, a, a resistance. But I simply want to start by establishing the fact that our call our invitation to do the stuff comes straight from jesus you know this this is not something that well because we're vineyard we're doing these things because we like them now you heard john say like i i thought that stuff was kind of cool i i want to do that stuff but this is actually a like direct commission from jesus he invites us and one of the things that i have found really formational Again, just a simple little phrase to help me latch on to a bigger truth. Whatever Jesus calls you to, he'll resource. And so if Jesus calls us to go and do the stuff that he did, to continue his ministry, to reach the lost, to destroy the works of the devil, he's going to give us the resources and the ability to do those things. And so we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit more. In a couple of weeks, we're going to sort of, as a second part to this, look at the other half, the phrase that we love to use called everybody gets to play. And so we'll have a little different focus there. But the thing that I find striking is you actually need all of these things together. You know, we're sort of, I don't want you to get the idea that as we look at distinctives that we're trying to compartmentalize things. Uh, we, we need all of it. And I heard, I just want to recommend this to you. Uh, if you've not yet uh, come across this, uh, when our new national director, Jay Pathick, uh, came into office about a year and a half ago, they launched a new podcast called We Are Vineyard. Familiar name, perhaps, for this series. Um, and Jay simply, every in every weekly episode, just interviews different people. He always starts with their story and where were you born, but important people to our story. And one of the things that uh, happens in there is that it begins to paint a, a story that what we are is not really all about us. We are, so in the same way that you as an individual, as part of this church, you're, you're part of something that's bigger than yourself. The same is true for Vineyard. We are part of the global and historic church. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. And that doesn't have to conflict with our identity. It's who we are. But, but we need to recognize that it's, not, it's never in a silo. 
So one of the things that I love that that Jay uh, draws out in this podcast is just those different connections to how this, that this is a thing that God is doing. This was this is His work, and we're invited to participate. Make sense? All right. So I want to jump back real quick and just remind you from last week, we sort of made this statement at the beginning of the talk about living naturally supernatural. I want to I want to put this up again, and because then I'm going to sort of make the next statement, if you will. When we talked last week about being naturally supernatural. We said that means living by the Spirit, walking in power without adding hype, manipulation, or unnecessary weirdness. And and we already unpacked that. But I feel like from that basis, we add where we're going today, and that is that we can all, all means all, it's not code, participate in Jesus' mission of bringing those near and far into the kingdom. Now, I don't just mean near and far to your physical proximity, although that's also true. I heard a very interesting uh, talk, one of the talks at our national conference, and they were uh, sort of breaking down the verse that talks about Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they said, you know, it, it's not it's not or, it's and. And a lot of times we think in terms of well, you know, we want to reach the people in, in our community. And then when the church grows and is at a, you know, maybe a little bit bigger size, then we'll we'll reach out and, you know, we'll reach people a little farther away. And then someday when we're a big church, we'll, we'll impact the world because we've grown to that point. And what I thought was so interesting was that that's not really the instruction that's given. It's actually that you're supposed to do all of those things at the same time. This is the reason we have partnerships with people that are doing work all over the globe. And it's not all just about distance from you. It's also about difference. Like when it talks about Samaria, that's not just, oh, it's a different. It's like, no, there are people in our community that are from different cultural contexts than us. And we have a, a, a call to set a table that they can also be welcomed to. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to chase that rabbit trail down real far. But we can all participate in Jesus' mission of bringing those that are near and far. And the same way we described that last week, that also means their nearness to the kingdom. Some people are standing on the edge, one step away, just waiting for that next invitation, that next act of service or act of care from a, from a loving believer. And they're just like one more step and, and, and they're starting to enter in. Some people are really far away. Like, you know, it's like now it might be rare for us in our cultural context and community to bump into somebody, you know, that's like never heard of Jesus. It, it can happen. But there are those that that are farther away from a matter of fact, maybe you've not encountered this, although I suspect some of you had. Some people can go so far as to be antagonistic towards the like as soon as you mention the first word, it's like there are barriers that go up. And uh, so anyway, just to say like. Our, our mission is not one or the other. It's both and. It's, it's helping those that are at the threshold take that step in, and it's helping welcome those that are far away. And part of that, uh, how we do those two different things are very different. So it takes a number of different approaches. 
The other thing that we said last week that I want to continue to, to highlight is that you can be your own unique self and still have God work through you. So when we talk about this, you know, this is not uh, painting a picture of, of conformity, that we all need to become street evangelists or we all need to invest in packs of gospel tracts or, or what have you. But the statement that I've added here for this week is, and it's important for us to know, he wants to work through all of us. Again, doesn't require you to become someone you're not. You can be your truest self. God uh, designed you and made you in a way that works, that's beneficial to his kingdom, and he wants to use you in that way. Let's go and look at another familiar scripture to help begin to, to, to dial this in. Uh, John 14, I'm going to go to verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me. Now again, this is not a coded word. Anyone means anyone. Who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. This is directly tied to what we read earlier where Jesus says, I have been here on the earth. I, I've been about my father's business. Do you remember the story where Jesus gets uh, separated and, and Joseph and Mary are traveling along? I realize, oh, no, he's not with us anymore. And they go back and they find him teaching in the temple and confounding. The, and, and now you have, to, you have to allow for the cultural difference. I heard a guy say, because you know, Jesus addresses Mary, you know, uh, in a way that might not be received gently by some of the mothers that I know. But it's like, but didn't you know I must be about my father's business? You know, and it's like, well, well what is your father's business? And that's, that's the stuff. Announcing that the kingdom has come near, destroying the works of the devil, and moving the kingdom forward. And what Jesus is saying here is, I'm telling you, like, this is the truth. This is a true saying. This is trustworthy. Again, this is straight from Jesus. Anyone who believes in me can do the same stuff. Now, it's important to pause here and remind you, one of the things that's important to begin to understand is that Jesus lived out his life here on the earth as a man. Now, he never stopped being God. But he did the things that he did here on the earth as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I heard that explained, I was like, that's good news to me. Because, because that means that the secret sauce is not something that I have to possess. Like, I don't have to become the most clever. I don't have to become the best communicator or figure out the most effective outreach program. The secret sauce is that I just have to yield to him. That he'll do the work, but he wants to do it through me. Anyone can participate in this mission. And Jesus will empower you and resource you to do that. I want to look at this one other way. Uh, if you want to go ahead and put your finger there, we're going to go to Second Peter in a moment. But Jesus 
Oh, sorry. I'm going to set my page now so I don't forget it. There's this, we, we try really hard to not use what I would call Christianese or, or churchy language. We talked before about this idea that there's always outsiders and insiders. And, and sometimes that's intentional. Sometimes we just feel that way. And, and we want as a body to try to be intentional, uh, recognizing that folks will sometimes feel like outsiders, but we don't want to add to that. We want to set a table, again, that's open and welcoming that others can come and, and, and participate at our table and feel like an insider, uh, as, you know, even if they maybe aren't yet. We, we, want, we want to position ourselves that way. So I just say all that to say one of the, the fancy sort of Christian phrases that's often used uh, on a, like a doctrine level is the priesthood of all believers. Now, m- many of you have probably heard this, um, but I want to look at this a little bit, and we're going to go to Second Peter. That's kind of where this idea is based on. But to just sort of put it in simpler language, uh, we're all, as believers, called to this stuff. Like, so there can sometimes be this tendency to look at those of us that are in what I call vocational ministry, which simply means, you know, what I do uh, for Jesus is also part of my job. You know, and we're not all called to that. We actually don't need, my pastor in North Carolina used to say, we don't need like roomfuls of, uh, he, he would call pastors professional Christians. It's like, now we need leaders, right? Every, uh, every leader needs a team. Every team needs a leader. Like th- those, those axioms are true. But we don't all need to become vocational ministry people. That's a special call for some. Anybody can be called. You know, we don't believe that that role is restricted uh, based on gender in the vineyard. But the important thing is that we're all called to live by the power of the Spirit, to participate in Jesus' mission, bringing people into the kingdom. That's what the priesthood of believers is all about, is that even though we have people that we set aside and designate as pastors and leaders and ministry directors, uh, that's more for organization for special calls and special missions but we're all called to participate in being a a priest in the old testament system you know again we won't take time to go back and unpack all of that but you know we could go and read the stories of how the old testament system worked and there was a, a high priest that was like an intermediary between the presence of god and his people And one of the things that Jesus accomplished when he came and died on the cross was he eliminated, he fulfilled things so that that was no longer necessary. In other words, to just put it in Midwestern lay terms, he took out the middleman. We don't don't need a middleman anymore. We don't need an intermediary to get to God. All believers can have this intimate, direct relationship. In other words, you you can have his ear. He's, He's listening. And you don't have to go through somebody. You don't have to come talk to me or another pastor or leader. You can have a direct, personal relationship with Jesus. All right, let's jump into Second Peter. Uh, he starts out this chapter, you know, talking about the danger of false teachers, and we're not going to unpack all that right now. But if we go down to verse 9, after he said all these other things, He says, but you are not like that. 
you, and I encourage you to go back and read. I'm just summarizing for the sake of time. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. There's two things that stuck out to me when we read that verse. You are God's very own possession. Just as we just sang Abba, which simply means daddy or daddy God. I belong to you. We, we are God's people. And he chose us for that. It's not, you know, it's like we say in, in, in our natural everyday lives, you know, it's like you can choose your friends, but you don't choose your family. Well, there, there's some truth in that. But God's not like stuck with us because that's just the way it worked out. He chose us. We, we belong to him. And because of that, we can know him. We can experience him. We can experience the tangible benefits of his goodness. And as we do all of that, being called out of the darkness into the light, we can carry all of that to everyone within our sphere of influence. When we talk about reaching people near and far, we can also contextualize that to us individually. We all, whether you realize it or not, have what I call a sphere of influence. Your social circles, your work friends, your family members, whoever the humans are that intersect your life, you have some level. Now, it varies greatly. Uh, You know, in other words, I have a lot more influence probably with my kids and maybe my, my best friend than I do with people I met last week. But still, the way I show up for people and around people, there's a level of influence there. And what we're called to is, is to bring all of the light, the goodness, the things that we've experienced into other people's lives. To bring hope where there's despair. To bring healing where there's things that are not set right. To bring freedom where we feel where people feel bound up and held captive. But again, we can't do any of that on our own. Jesus calls us all his priests. And so we have that call. We're going to look more at future weeks in sort of the more practical, how do we do that stuff? And one of the things I'm just going to give you just a little sneak peek from two weeks from now when we talk about everyone gets to play. Now, that's been a vineyard saying for a long time, but somewhere along the line I got added, well, if everyone gets to play, in other words, if we're all invited to do the stuff, then everyone should be able to be trained. And this is why we do a lot of the things that we do around here in trying to teach people how to do this stuff. It never comes from a place, again, of, of positioning me or some other leader as, uh, you know, as, as superior. Just like, but we should provide opportunities because we're all at different places in our journey. We all have different levels of skill. We all have different comfort levels. And again, you take what you learn and you contextualize it for your life. 
right? So you don't need to, to do the stuff the exact way that I do the stuff. But one of the things that, that we look for, and, and only you can evaluate this. It's not my place to evaluate your fruit. But if you're like, well, gosh, Matthew, I just, I don't really know. I, I, I feel like I'm open to that, but I don't know if I'm really doing that. One of the things that we can look for is, is fruit. Like, how, how are things looking around you? Now, sometimes you're in a season where things don't look so good, and it's like you have to kind of squint or dig to find the fruit, right? But I think if we keep looking hard enough, we can find that God is working in far more places, in far more situations and lives than we recognize. And we just need to learn to dial into that to see what the Father is doing. You know, where Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business, that's one of the ways that we can step in is just be looking, be asking, Jesus, what are you doing? Can I, can I participate in some of that stuff that you're doing? Can I be the person? Now, the other thing that I want to say is, you know, we want to do training on, on all of the really practical, you know, if you've never learned how to, a pray for healing, we have a model for that. Now, the model's not magic. You don't have to follow it precisely. But it's like if, you have, if you're like, I don't know where to start, well, we can give you some tracks to run on. We can say, you know, here's, here's a, a model that has worked for us. And then as you learn and grow, you decide when you're going to take your training wheels off. And, and Because the key thing is always following the Spirit. But if you're just like, I just don't even know where to start, Get some training. Come to a class. Find some, like I said, some tracks to run on. And I have no doubt that you will experience fruit on that journey. Jesus invites you to participate in doing his stuff. Now, the other thing that I want to just highlight, hopefully as an encouragement to you, you know, you might think, Matthew, I'm just, I'm just not sure about some of the stuff. You know, I, I, I don't know about this, this healing mess. I, I don't know about demons and spirits and all of that stuff. Well, again, I would, I would first point you back to last week. You know, we, we, we don't have to, you know, be all woohoo and, and like get weird to do that stuff. But the other thing I would encourage you is there are lots of things that are included. So we want all the things that the Father is doing. We want all the things that the Spirit's doing. We don't want to exclude any gift. Uh, we need healing. We need deliverance. We need all of those things. But it's also found in serving. It's also found in acts of care. Like it's all the different things that we can do to show the love and kindness of Jesus to those around us. And the last thing that I want to kind of just bring to your attention is there is a direct connection between all of the stuff and what and you hear us kind of going back and forth between these worlds. This is one of the areas where we're tempted to compartmentalize. Well, yeah, all of that Holy Spirit stuff, that's cool for church, but I don't want to do it on the street. And some of you are like really passionate about, you know, depending on your background and things you I'm I'm really like I like talking to people and and leading people to Jesus, but again it's like I don't. We need both together. 
One of the things that Jay had shared on the podcast that I referenced earlier was when he was planting his church, I don't know, gosh, it's probably been 20 years ago, and he was wandering around some different places in the vineyard ahead of moving out there, he began to become a little discouraged in some spots because he began to experience places where there were, there were Holy Spirit moments, there were ministry, there were cool things that were happening in the meetings, but then as he would have conversations afterwards, he would begin to ask people, and he began to discover in some of those contexts that it's like, but, but nobody, was, nobody was coming into the kingdom. Like nobody was being reached. There were people in the community that weren't being reached out to. So it's like, as John said, I love all that stuff. I love when the Holy Spirit comes and, and broods and moves during worship. But we need to recognize any time we experience him in that way, it's an invitation to be able to take that, to carry that into our everyday lives, to be able to, to sort of maybe grab a piece of that sort of atmosphere of heaven and, and carry it and have that available when we're in a situation on Tuesday in line at the grocery store and there's a single mom in front of us who's struggling and somehow the Holy Spirit nudges you and gets your attention. Hey, why don't you why don't you take care of her grocery bill? You think and, and for a lot of us it stops there. These nudges, these things, it's nudging people towards the kingdom. It's opening a door for them to experience more than just their practical need being met. We need both. We need to reach people, we need to do. Uh, this is a rabbit trail, so I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go down there. But you know, part of what Jay's been emphasizing lately is that our our history is as evangelicals and charismatics, but we have historically always been a movement that was compatible. Now, I'm pausing to say because I know in today's political climate, that words not always have a positive connotation. And so when we're talking about, we're talking about like the foundation of what, what it has historically and globally meant to be evangelical. And part of that is that we are people that believe God wants to reach everyone. Like we take John 3.16 seriously when it says he came and he died for everyone. And we're part of doing the stuff is not to prove that we're cool or have Holy Spirit goosebumps. It's to reach people. It's to draw people into the kingdom so they can taste and see the goodness of the Lord that we've experienced. All right?